Waiting on a tax return? Hopefully it ends up in your hands. Fraudulent tax returns due to identity theft increased by 30% in 2023. If you're in a bind this tax season, LifeLock can help. Our U.S.-based restoration specialists are experts dedicated to helping solve your identity theft issues. And all LifeLock plans are backed by the Million Dollar Protection Package. So we'll reimburse you up to the limits of your plan if you lose money due to identity theft. Help protect your information this tax season with LifeLock. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com aware. T'was four nights before Christmas and to stuff in your stocking, a big epic film from Zack Snyder was dropping. It's a new sci-fi epic full of action and grit, but is it a fresh genre classic or a real piece of shit? This video is brought to you by Babbel. Get up to 55% off your subscription at babbel.com Dan, and be sure to stay tuned after this video for more info. Hello everybody and welcome to my review of Rebel Moon Part 1, A Child of Fire, the first part of the Rebel Moon saga from the mind of director-writer Zack Snyder. This is the first in a two-film story along with associated other media and this 2 hour and 15 minute cut is rated PG-13. Zack Snyder is already hyping his larger and more violent R-rated cut which will be coming out at some point next year and I have to say this is my least favorite trend in media currently. Ridley Scott was doing the same thing with Napoleon. Well, you know, you could watch this version of the movie, but you can watch the real version of the movie later. Movies are movies. They're not video games. We don't need them all to have DLC. We've already been through this Snyder Cut thing once. I don't think that any of us really need for it to become a regular event. Now, I've often been labeled a Zack Snyder hater, but I'm actually not. I like some of his earlier films. I even liked his last two films, including the Snyder Cut, which I have rewatched and enjoyed multiple times. It's some of my favorite superhero stuff that's been in any superhero movie ever made. And so I was hoping that this winning streak would continue with Rebel Moon, especially because we're getting so much of it. But I'm sorry to say that this was solidly a miss for me. It's a movie that is both bloated and in which next to nothing actually happens. It's obvious that Zack Snyder is very enamored with this world and these characters, but he forgot to translate what's so great about it for the rest of us. Rebel Moon takes place in a universe that's menaced by a militant force called the Empire, a uh, mother world, space Nazis who dress like Earth Nazis, out to squash rebels in the name of their beloved slain king and royal family. Sophia Butella plays Korra, a humble farmer with ties to the mother world that become clear when they arrive to subjugate the planet that she calls home. Korra leaves to recruit a group of fighters to protect her village, like some kind of seven samurai squad, and the bulk of Rebel Moon Part 1's running time is devoted to introducing these characters, played by an ensemble including Jaimon Unsu, Charlie Hunnam, Duna Bay, Ray Fisher, Michael Huisman, and a robot voiced by Sir Anthony. Hopkins. True story. Each new person gets an intro on a new planet, complete with a slow-mo action or fight scene to show us why they're so cool, and then we go on to the next world and meet the next new character who has their own slow-mo action or fight scene, and you sort of repeat that a few times over, and in between there are also a lot of other slow-mo action fight scenes, many of them against the minions of Atticus Noble, the movie's brutal bad guy, played in actually a pretty good bad guy performance by Ed Skrine. 90 minutes into this two-hour movie, it's still introducing characters and then shortly after the movie's lone major plot twist it just kind of ends although it, it doesn't really end it just kind of manufactures a reason for the credits to roll but it seems like given the preview that they showed for the next movie that nothing really changes they really undo everything in this movie that already happens at the finale and it looks like part two is just the conclusion of the story that they began in this part 
I don't really know why they would construct a false ending for this movie. Everybody knows that it's a part one. It has part one in the title. I think people are expecting it to be continued. And really, they just are wasting time by trying to manufacture an ending to a movie that we knew wasn't really going to end at all. And it really doesn't matter story-wise, because by the time you figure out why exactly the cyborg lady, who we don't really know, is fighting a hybrid human spider over stolen children, the movie's lost interest and moved on, and coincidentally, I'd also lost interest by that point. Movies can do all sorts of different things, and they can take all different kinds of forms, and I suppose that there could be a two-hour film that spends its runtime introducing new characters. But if you're going to do that, you better make damn sure that those characters are interesting. And unfortunately for Rebel Moon, these characters don't really offer up much of interest. This is a universe where the only two acceptable emotions are stoicism and anger, so this is largely a film featuring characters you don't know and or care about sedately and flatly reciting cliché dialogue in front of some very pretty-looking special effects shots. The performances are average at best and pretty rough at worst, which only makes the movie feel longer, and that's kind of one of my favorite things about movies is they can sort of warp time and space, so a great three-and-a-half-hour movie can feel like 90 minutes, and a bad 90-minute movie can feel like three-and-a-half hours. Well, this version of Rebel Moon already feels like the four-hour director's cut version of Rebel Moon because it just kind of drags on. Unfortunately, it was a slog for me to get through. Rebel Moon is Zack Snyder's universe, and he co-wrote the screenplay with past collaborators Kurt Johnstad and Shay Hatton. He's been very open about the fact that this movie began as a pitch for a gritty Star Wars film, which is ironic because the initial release of this movie is PG-13, which robs it of the very R-rated grit that he supposedly wanted to bring to the Star Wars universe. But saying that this movie is inspired by Star Wars and Akira Kurosawa would be sort of like saying Meet the Spartans was inspired by Zack Snyder's own film, 300, because there are characters and events and settings in this movie that you can draw almost a one-to-one -one parallel to between Star Wars and so many other films, including Kurosawa and other sci-fi movies. And not in a way that makes this movie feel like an evolution of Star Wars or a riff or an homage to Star Wars, but in a way that makes this movie feel kind of like a super high-budget asylum film, like one of those Transmorphers films where they wanted to make a Transformers film, but they didn't have the IP, so everything is just just a little bit to the left, so it's legally clearable, but still pretty much a Transformers film. That's what we have here. It just doesn't capture the magic of any of the other movies that it's trying so desperately to be. It's a real shame because the lack of imagination on the story level is counter to an incredibly imaginative world aesthetically. Say what you will about Snyder's scripts, but his movies generally look damn good, and Rebel Moon is often a stunning-looking film, but it feels completely empty. And this seems to be Snyder's curse. He is a very talented visual filmmaker, and he is able to construct worlds that look beautiful but he seems unwilling or unable to cede creative control on the writing side, either away from himself or to people that are able to translate his ideas or the franchise IPs that he takes on into ways that connect to people beyond Zack Snyder. It really does feel like we are caught in a cycle of Zack Snyder making movies that he thinks are cool, but that doesn't really translate to much more than his very loyal, devoted fan base. I think that a lot of people, myself included, are left out in the cold by Zack Snyder's films because they feel exclusive, like they're only made for him. 
I would actually love if he could find more writers like James Gunn with the Dawn of the Dead remake that he did, which I thought was a perfect blend of his visual style with the script that actually worked, because I think that he could make some really, really good movies if there was more attention paid or if there's a different spin on the script or the story, but that's just not where we are with Snyder's films. I was hoping with the Snyder Cut, it might be a bit of a turning point because I saw things there that said, okay, yeah, he can build a big world, but also be a little bit more relatable to an audience outside of his direct interests, but it really seems like he's just been empowered by that experience to double down and do only what he wants. And that's fine for him and that's fine for people that already like his movies, but I'm not really sure how many new fans he's gonna win over with this approach. Snyder's talent is such that I would never tell people to stay away from this movie completely just because of the scale and the look of it, which is genuinely impressive, but I was squarely not a fan of this version of Rebel Moon. It's hard for me to see being a fan of the extended director's cut of part one, maybe I'll be a fan of part two or the extended director's cut of part two or any of the associated Rebel Moon stuff that's coming out. There are a lot of bites at the Rebel Moon Apple coming up, but as far as a kickoff to this cinematic universe, this one just didn't really land for me, and I'll be curious to see how it lands with everyone else not named Zack Snyder. So those are my thoughts on Rebel Moon Part 1, A Child of Fire. What do you think? Are you going to be firing it up as you kick off this holiday weekend? Let me know down in the comments below, and before we go, I want to thank the sponsor for this video, Babbel. Did you know that over 60% of Americans believe that the most useful second language in the U.S. is Spanish? I took it in high school, but that was so long ago, I've forgotten most of what I learned. But this holiday season, I'm giving myself the gift of new language lessons on Babbel, where you can start speaking a new language in just three weeks. Babbel is conversation-based learning built with science-backed tools like spaced repetition and interactive lessons created by real language teachers and voiced by real native speakers to not just help you learn how to speak the language, but to get ready to have conversations in the real world. With over 10 million subscriptions sold, Babbel is real language learning for real conversations. And if you're serious about speaking another language, what Babbel can promise you are useful language skills along with the context, traditions, and culture that the language you're learning is grounded in. It's not always easy to learn with Babbel, but it is simple. Here's a special limited time deal for our listeners and viewers to get you started right now. Get 55% off your Babbel subscription, but only for people that watch or listen to the show at babbel.com slash Dan. Get 55% off at babbel.com slash Dan. That's spelled B-A-B-B-E-L dot com slash Dan. Rules and restrictions may apply. Thanks to Babbel for sponsoring this video, and thank you for watching. Be sure to stay tuned right here for more movie news, reviews, box office, and more. And if you're celebrating this holiday season, I hope that you have a great beginning of the holiday weekend. Until next time, stay safe, and I'll see you then. Bye.